Good morning. So um, I'm here to talk this morning about how staying connected at Imago through the pandemic has really helped me and benefited me and um, even today and going forward. Um, but I wanted to start with um, reading and discussing the verses in Psalm chapter one. So if everybody could reach in your pew Bible and um, I wanted to read Psalm chapter one and then um, ask you guys to share a little bit afterwards about what stood out to you, something that maybe you've never noticed before about it. So just a minute. So Psalm chapter 1, I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. All right, so I'll read together. I'll read Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But, those, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay. So what stood out to you guys? in these verses today. Mandy. The, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. The tree um, idea of digging in your roots deep and pr the tree producing fruit that will nourish others. Yes. Corey? It, hopefully everyone heard that because I don't think I can summarize that. All right. Uh, Renee? Yeah, it talks, it makes things black and white where a lot of things in our world are very gray. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Okay, well, I wanted to talk um, a little bit about um, a tree that's um, really come to mean something special to me, and then I'll relate it back to Imago. So there's a tree that I've been walking by near my neighborhood for years. It's a birch tree, 
and has many branches cut off um, of it probably due to being on a busy sidewalk and a busy street on Nebraska Avenue. Years ago, I noticed the tree and I noticed um, there was a place on the tree where one of the branches has been um, used to be and has been cut off. And it's in the shape of an eye the, where it had been cut off. And it reminds me, maybe some of you guys have seen the adult cartoon Futurama. Um, it reminds me of Leela's eye. Um, and so I think of an eye when I see it. So I found myself looking at this place on this birch tree um, each time I walked by or ran by it. And it became kind of a friend to me and um, something I could see often and it brought me comfort. And um, now years later, I walk by it and I didn't know at the time years ago, but I know now that um, it's on the route to my daughter's elementary school. So I see it almost every day when I walk or bike or run by it. And most days um, I pass it and I try to make a point of looking at it. And uh, because it's an eye and I don't know, but anyways, uh, it seems to speak to me in some ways to say, I see you. And um, it has been, it has come to mean more to me as I walk my daughter to school and go home and we go through the um, ebbs and flows of life and it's still there and it's still consistent and it provides consistency for me. And um, it's, it seems to see me and it is a true gift to be seen and truly seen by, by someone and a group of people. And I feel um, very seen by you all at Imago. And um, Imago has been like that tree for me during the pandemic, before, during, and even now as, uh, I don't know what to call this time because you know, sometimes the, the, the rates of COVID are kind of, have been spiking lately, um, but, um, the pandemic started when my son was six months old and my daughter was two. So I was a newer mom of two young kids and um, I'm an, intro an extrovert, so I like to get out and do things and um, um, I like to be at home, but most of the time, <laughs> I guess I, I do like to get out and see people. So um, Imago has served as a place for me to um, meet other people and to connect with other people. So I just wanted to share some things that I've been involved with at Imago. So um, I've been part of the Hot Mess Sisters. It's been good for me to share life with these women. Um, a couple, I'm gonna share a little bit about some of the books that we read. We read The Liturgy of the Ordinary, where we discussed seeing God in the simple everyday tasks of life. We read The Authenticity Project, where six random people are connected through a solitary green notebook. We read Shauna Nyquist's book, I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet, that where we discussed her stories of love, loss, and connection. And this group has been such a great place of belonging and hope for me. I've also been part of a spiritual direction group where we meet once a month, and now we're meeting on, consistently meeting um, on Zoom to listen to one another, listen to one person a month share about what's going on in our lives, and the rest of us listen. And once again, being seen and listening is such a gift. Um, we ask each other, we ask that person questions to help the sharer process and explore new ideas. And I'm learning so much from these sessions. 
I'm also involved in the kids ministry here in Imago called Genesis. And during the pandemic, we researched and started a new curriculum called Godly Play. It's a wondering-based program, and I'm thrilled that my children, Kara and Eric, are going to grow up in, in with Godly Play and will form their own faith foundations with this kind of exploration. There have been other activities in the last few years um, that I've been involved in, and just simply showing up in this building or at home typing text messages or um, chatting with friends um, that have been so life-giving for me. Um, we could also, um, I wanted to also share that speaking up for the outcast and the destitute and those who some would call the other is a big part of Imago, and I'm very proud to be part of this community who loves, cares, and speaks up for these wonderful, lovely people. Everyone here truly is welcome. Um, also, going along with the tree idea, we could also think about a tree as being me or you, that I need to continue to be like a tree who has my roots deep down in the ground, being connected to this community and the relationships I have here and beyond. Weeds are easy to pull up and out, but a tree with deep roots can withstand gusts of wind and weather the elements. Um, I'm so thankful for this Imago community and what it has brought to me, what she's brought to me um, over the last few years. Um, and as I think back to the birch tree on Nebraska Avenue, I'm reminded how it has weathered various elements and has stand, stood there for me in, and stood there for many decades and now is uh, speaking to me. And I've shared that with Kara and Eric that this is my favorite tree. And they, unprompted, have chosen their own favorite trees along Nebraska Avenue. And that's been really fun. Um, so I'm very thankful for this Imago community and that I've stayed connected. And I just wanted to encourage you guys all to um, dig your roots down deep and stay connected at Imago. Thank you. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Mandy. I am on your teaching and spiritual formation teams. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And similar to Holly, I just wanted to share a little bit about what the physical presence within community um, has come to mean for me. So when I first became a Christian, 15, 16 years old, the church in a lot of ways was a safety refuge. My family was not a safe place to be. My home wasn't necessarily a safe place to be. And in the church, I found belonging and um, acceptance and people who could not only give words to what I had experienced, but also show me a path forward um, through forgiveness and working on my own self-view and understanding the unconditional love of God. There was a lot of really good, um, a lot of good that came out of my very first church experiences. We were a charismatic church based out of an Assemblies of God history and so um, the idea behind coming to church was very much about being there whenever the doors were open. As a charismatic church, that was a lot of the time. Um, we had revivalists come through for a week at a time. We had Sunday morning that would last sometimes three or four hours as, you know, people's 
prophetic songs and utterings would occur. Um, and then, of course, there was the afternoon lunch and then the Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, small groups, youth groups. I was in for all of it. Um, not only because it did provide a place away from the lack of safety that I experienced, but I did begin to understand that there was something magical about being with this group of people. We talked a lot about a passage in Hebrews 10, and just a couple of verses here. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who, prom who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is the key. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do not forsake the gathering together of the brethren. We heard it all the time. And the idea very much communicated was that there was an obligation on the part of anybody who was a real disciple to be there as often as the doors were open. And so I learned at an early age that unless I had a real strong reason not to be there, God's expectation of me was that I would always be there. As I got a little bit older, um, into my 20s, I became a little less precocious and started to understand things like work shifts and family obligations and the other things that pull adults <laughs> away from sometimes being able to be at a service. Um, I was on staff at a church where we developed a Saturday night service because we were really close to Bradley campus and we had a lot of folks that were in like the physical therapy program, other things like that where they had shifts on Sunday mornings with their internships. And so this Saturday night service opened my eyes to realize there is a responsibility sometimes on the part of a community based on the people who make up that community to figure out creative ways to, to create spaces where people can engage. And us shutting down that Saturday night service became a really big sticking point for me in that we knew the faces and names of the people who were no longer gonna be able to be part of our community when we made that decision. And so it was one of the first times in my mid-20s that I realized just how heavy that responsibility is on the part of people who run a church. Um, I also experienced, and it's ironic that we have one starting here, so I want to preface by saying this is in no way meant to be a reflection of the new women's group that's starting at all. <laughs> I'm very excited that that is happening. But as somebody who didn't have kids and worked Monday through Friday during the day, I did always struggle with the fact that every opportunity for women to gather was during the week in the middle of the day. Um, it was one of many things that made me feel like I just worked better with the dudes. Like we would talk theology and, and you know, do those kinds of things. And they typically had their stuff on weekends with the women, it was very difficult to engage because the, the crux of our community at that time was that a lot of the women were stay-at-home moms. That is a job, 100%, nothing disparaging at all in this, but for me personally, it was a little isolating because those were the only opportunities that the church uh, provided. 
So I started to see through my 20s that engagement with the church can seem fickle, even though it's not always on the part of the person who is not able to engage. Sometimes that fickleness is just based on what is available from the church to the people at that time. Does that make sense? Is that tracking so far? Okay. Um, I came to Imago in my late 20s, and at that point, church wasn't so much about safety and refuge for me anymore, um, but it was about identity. So being part of Imago was its own identity, um, pretty much from the beginning. We were a weird church. I mean, from day one, we were not a, a typical Peoria church. That was the whole reason we started. Um, I didn't come for the first eight months, specifically because people kept telling me, oh, there's this, you know, cool, hip church that just started. You would be perfect there. And I was like, never have those two words been used to describe me. I have always and forever been a giant nerd. So if it's cool and hip, it is most definitely not for me. Like, um, so out of some weird sense of ego, I didn't come for the first eight months. And the first time I walked in the door... I was like, son of a gun, this place is the closest thing to Cornerstone, which is a music festival that is very near and dear to my heart. This is the closest to that energy I have ever found in a community. And it, to this day, continues to be the closest to that energy that I have ever experienced. And if you've ever heard me preach, you know that that's a big deal. Um, for most of the time, um, in, in the first five, six, seven years, of my time at Imago, I was single. And uh, Shane Claiborne, along with some others, put out a book of common prayer sometime during this season. It was when we were in the Arcadia building. Um, but it had a prayer, a, a set of prayers at the back for occasions. So if there was a death due to violence in the neighborhood, or if you wanted to dedicate a community garden, things like that. One of the things in there was a um, basically a commitment to celibacy for those who were not Catholic, but wanted to make a similar kind of commitment to the church. Um, I didn't think that that was my calling forever, but was very sure that for a couple of seasons it was. And so with my small group, and by extension a larger part of Imago, I had committed myself as a single person in the service of the church. And what that means is that I was back to trying to be here every time the doors were open. Um, so if it was a service that I wasn't one of the recipients of, I could still participate in making it happen for others. I will never be the person who's watching kids. I'm sorry. They don't dig me. <laughs> they, they don't dig me, and I don't always get them. So if there was anything else I could do, though, um, to try to make a space more available to the people in the church, I felt like I didn't have kids, I didn't have a spouse, there was nothing at home to pour that energy into, so I treated Imago like my family, like, like my nuclear core. And that was great for a long time. Um, and then Imago and I had a brief parting of ways while the community figured some things out that pertained to my personal identity. And for that season, I stepped away and I was part of another faith community. However, Dustin, for those of you who remember Dustin Height, he was still the associate pastor here at the time. In fact, at that time, I think he was the interim pastor. 
And we would still get together for coffee regularly. He never stopped using terms like our church or our community. Like he would not get it through his head that I was no longer a part of Imago. Um, And then it turned out I was the one with the thick skull. Um, Some things got resolved. And I found that, that there was now an open door to reconciliation, if you will. And so I was able to step back into the community. And for the last four or five years, it's, it's been really beautiful to see who we've been becoming. But then, of course, the pandemic. Um, I, at the same time as the initial shutdown, was starting to experience some physical issues that got progressively worse. Um, and so it really impacted my comfort level with being around people, especially groups of people where I wasn't super, super comfortable. And so I very much am grateful for the fact that we created spaces for us to at least participate with services virtually through chats and you know the online uh, services and all of that very grateful for it and still take part in it um, on a fairly regular basis as I get out of the habit of being at home all the time. Um, But through that, what I realized was even today, there are a lot of reasons for me to stay home and watch the service. It's really hard to call it participating um, for me, I'll just be honest, but to at least be able to stay connected with what we're talking about, the people who are showing up, see faces that I love, even if I'm not there to hug them. Um, but I will say that while those, that list of reasons is, is, is important, my partner usually uh, is working on weekends when she has a Sunday off. It's very important for me to spend that time with her. I'm still adjusting to not being in pain on a regular basis, and so I'm having to get literally back into the habit of realizing my default isn't to stay at home. Um, My job is very intense right now. Uh, It goes through waves, but there are times that Sunday morning is literally the only chance I have to not wake up to an alarm and actually have a slow morning. At 20, I judged the people in their 40s who said things like this. I am now the person in my 40s saying, dear 20-somethings, I promise you'll get it later. Go ahead and judge. It's okay. But while there can be a lot of really good reasons to stay home, and while I'm really, really grateful that Imago continues to provide that opportunity, there is something that happens when I walk through these doors. There is something that happens when I get to see your faces, when I get to hug you, when I get to have a five-minute, super intense, very personal conversation with somebody that I barely know outside of an acquaintanceship, but can let me pray for that person for weeks after that. There is something that happens when I see God in your eyes and I recognize something foreign to me that is beautiful and holy in you. And my faith is not right, is not complete without those things. And so while the list is shorter for the reasons to come and be here and present with you physically and emotionally and mentally in every way, 
that one thing on that list, that indescribable experience that I have with you and because of you with the divine really does outweigh all the rest of it. I'm a frail person. There are still times I'm going to be watching from home, excited to see all your faces and the backs of your heads. <laughs> but it is a true commitment of mine to remember the thing that I'm feeling today that only happens when I'm here and present with you all. And I really hope, whether you're here watching or not at all aware of what's happening here, that we are better when you walk through the door. There is a face of God that is missing when you are missing. And that is not meant to be an obligation statement. I want you to understand. To me, Imago no longer represents just refuge and it no longer represents identity. Your family, <laughs> in a way that I've never had before, um, you accept me as I am. You let me come as I am. We don't agree on everything. We might fight sometimes. But at the end of the day, there is, there is a mutual commitment to each other that, that cannot be outweighed by anything else. And so I want to read this passage again um, just to wrap up. Uh, and I hope that you hear it as the invitation that it is. Participation at Imago will never be obligatory. Do we need physical hands for coffee and, and to set up you know, tables sometimes? Absolutely. Do we need you on the stage and in back and helping with the kiddos? Absolutely. But more than anything, we just want to see that, that facet of God that we don't get to see if you're not here. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching.